This is Dr. Canone, and welcome back to the podcast. This week, we're going to conclude our conversation on end-of-life issues. Now, we've talked in the past about the expectations of families and of patients and how they're often unrealistic and not grounded well in clinical insight. We also mentioned that often it's the healthcare environment, healthcare professionals who are sometimes giving misinformation to patients and families. It's not necessarily that we intend to knowingly give bad information to them, but rather there tends to be a desire to give hope to these patients and families and to encourage them to keep fighting and that there is a hope of a better day ahead. And we know that it's very difficult to prognosticate, to give people an accurate prognosis, because none of us really knows what's going to happen going forward. We've had certain experiences that shape the framework for our thought, But for an individual patient, it's hard to know exactly how things are going to play out. And then there's the issue of long-term versus short-term prognosis, which we've discussed in previous podcasts. Some clinicians are focused primarily on a short-term prognosis, getting a patient through their pneumonia, treating the UTI, fixing the hip fracture. Other physicians, especially in the geriatric realm, and especially true in the long-term care post-acute care setting, We're focused on the long-term prognosis of patients primarily. We see them through the continuum of their illness. We watch them decline over time. We help them prepare for death. So it really does become important for us to be open and honest with families and with patients, to try to prognosticate to the best of our ability, knowing that we're infallible. And we should also be addressing the prognosis that is being delivered to us from other sites of care and help families and patients interpret what this might mean. For instance, as a part of advanced care planning or even any typical visit that we perform on a patient in a long-term care post-acute care setting, it's important to go over the recent discharge instructions and transfer information with the patient and family. It gives us insight into what they may have been told when they left that facility or that hospital. So if a patient is just coming out of a hospital setting, they've been admitted for a hip fracture, and they've been told that they are a good prognosis because the surgery went well, and that they should expect to have a full recovery after receiving physical therapy and occupational therapy, we should pause and think about the data that shows, as we mentioned on previous episodes, that patients, especially the elderly who have a hip fracture, are a very high risk going forward. The statistics would show that in the elderly, half of them will die within a year. The other half will need long-term care placement or at least a much greater degree of support for activities of daily living. So in an instance like this, it's important to delineate between a short-term prognosis, the healing from surgery, and a long-term prognosis, all of the things that contributed to the patient having a fall and a fracture, and the way their comorbidities may play out over time. Most patients who reside in a nursing home setting are probably a poor prognosis if you think about all of the comorbidities, the polypharmacy, and the limitations functionally and cognitively that have caused them to have to reside in this environment. And this is why it's so important to get in the habit of asking ourselves the surprise question. We talked about this on a prior episode. Would I be surprised if this patient died in the next 12 months? And if the answer is no, then it really means we have to be thinking differently about the path forward. It needs to probably be more of a palliative care pathway and less of a curative care pathway, but we need to do a lot to educate families 
and patience about what the future looks like and what their options are. This will empower them, ensuring that their wishes are upheld, but it also gives them information to be able to think about what the future holds and what kind of resources may be available to them as their condition changes. So the surprise question should always be at the forefront of a geriatrician's mind to help ground us in reality so that the information we give is coming through the right lens with the right perspective to the patients and the families who we care for. Now, prognostication is really an art and a science in and of itself. A good population health model really sits on a foundation of risk assessment with a desire to risk stratify the population so we know who to target for specific sets of resources or services. There are some tools that just take patient information and will project an acuity index for nursing homes as a part of the PDPM and MDS assessment. There is a case mix index score that relates to the clinical complexity of the patient and the population being served in that facility. For health plans like Medicare Advantage plans, there is risk adjustment factor, which takes into account all the clinical diagnoses of a patient and allows you to then understand the acuity of the patient and the population that you serve. There are a couple other more manual tools that are fairly easy to utilize and effective in the geriatric long-term care context. The first is the Flacker Mortality Score. This patient assessment instrument is used to identify residents who are at high risk for dying within one year. It takes into account different sections of the MDS. It looks at functional ability, weight loss, shortness of breath, swallowing problems, whether the patient is male or female with the male being higher risk, a BMI, a diagnosis of congestive heart failure, and age over 88 years old. Each of these sections are scored, and if the total score is between 0 and 2, the probability of dying within one year is about 7%. If the score is between 3 and 6, the probability of dying is about 19%. If the score is between 7 and 10, the probability of dying is about 50% within one year. And finally, if the score is over 11, the probability of dying within one year is 86%. So this might be a tool you want to familiarize yourself with and use on occasion, especially with patients or families who are very unrealistic about their clinical conditions or their prognosis. I've found in my own practice when you can be more objective and give actual evidence as to why your prognosis is what it is, families and patients typically have to take more notice. And this is something that's important to document within the clinical record too. The other scale that I've used even more commonly in the long-term care post-acute care setting was discussed in a previous episode when we talked about dementia. And this is the FAST scale, which stands for Functional Assessment Staging. This scale is really most specific or constructed for patients with Alzheimer's disease, but I've found that it's very helpful in pretty much any patient with dementia who's starting to cognitively and functionally decline. You can take a family through the different stages of the functional assessment staging tool, and they can then, in retrospect, look and see how far along their loved one really is and agree with you on the milestones that have been cleared. There are seven stages of FAST assessment. Stage 1 is the least problematic, no difficulties either subjectively or objectively. 
all the way up to stage seven, which is divided actually into six different subcategories. And this is for patients with severe to very severe or end of life terminal dementia. This is really important because the hospice benefit is still very much predicated upon a patient with dementia as their terminal diagnosis, achieving a status of at least stage 7C on the FAST scale to qualify for the hospice benefit. As stage 7C, a patient is no longer able to ambulate on their own because of the cognitive and functional losses from their dementia. Now, most of us are very familiar with the Medicare hospice benefit, but maybe we'll take some time in one additional episode to just talk a little bit about hospice. It can be a great adjunct to the care that we're providing for patients in the long-term care post-acute care setting, probably a very underutilized benefit, and there are a lot of stigma attached to it. Many people have a negative stereotype of hospice care. Others have had experience with it and are very pro-hospice. I do believe it's possible to provide good palliative care for patients in the long-term care, post-acute care setting apart from hospice, but there are some really great advantages to including hospice in the care of our patients when the patient is eligible and when they are desiring of this benefit. We'll take some time in the next episode to discuss that just a little bit and to talk about the eligibility criteria for hospice, which have actually changed in recent years. So until then, continue the good work, and we'll see you next time.